It's Monday the 21st of December 2020. My name's Alex Elliott and you're listening to The Week in Iceland, the programme that asks what's been happening in Iceland this week, why it happened and why we should care. I'm joined this week by the linguist and lecturer of Icelandic, Jón Simon Markusson. Welcome to you. You are. All right. <laughs> um, this week, one story in Iceland has pushed even COVID off of the front pages, and that is the series of landslides that have devastated Seyðisfjörður in the east of the country amid record-breaking rainfall over more than five days. In less dramatic but also weather-related news, the roads in west and northwest Iceland reacted to rapidly warming temperatures by bleeding tar, which then hardened on passing vehicles, causing extremely dangerous conditions. People were even asked to avoid travel because of it. On the pandemic front, yes, we don't escape that, um, officials are worried that the outbreak, the new outbreak will start um, affecting Iceland and growing quickly for the end of the holidays. Um, they'd already braced themselves for January, but they're bringing that forward. Thorolfur Grudnason is in quarantine. Iceland was mistakenly flagged by Bloomberg as not having ordered enough vaccine doses. And European regulators are meeting this lunchtime and will in all likelihood approve the Pfizer vaccine, meaning priority groups can start being inoculated here as soon as the supplies reach the country the coming days. I hope I'm a priority. <laughs> You're probably not. Uh, in the other news, Althingi almost unanimously supported the Prime Minister's bills on gender self-determination uh, that are described some as an important step in Iceland and for the whole world. And finally, there's the little matter of Christmas, just hours away. So where would you like to begin? Um, maybe, well, I think over either Seydisfjörður or Covid. Um, yeah, um, Seydisfjörður is by far the biggest story of the week, and for good reason. It's the, Some yeah. of the scenes coming out of there are awful. Luckily, no one died. Yeah, blimey. It's like, you just imagine it, this, you know, a relatively small town. 10 houses of this um 11 i believe oh, was it 11 yeah I, that's right yeah it was at least i think you said i the costi at least 10 houses um just devastating devastating to see um you can't imagine i mean you know it's it's kind of like an axiom now people say you can't imagine other people feel but you you literally can't you know to, to just have an house one minute and then see it swept out to sea the next what do you mm. do you know? how do you continue like how do you position yourself <laughs> towards the future it, it's just devastating i mean they're talking about the biggest loss of cultural assets uh, in in modern times in iceland and i don't think that's hard to believe at all no no i um i actually got a couple of friends that moved there recently very recently in the last three months um and as i understand it their house was one of the first in that row of houses that didn't that didn't uh, wasn't carried out to sea. Names mm. um, of and Elsa, and they they um, apparently saw the landslide coming out of the window and managed to run out um, in time. But of course, they weren't sure at the time whether it was going to sweep their house away as well. Mm. Um, I think also, you know, knowing people there uh, and worrying about people there makes it kind of brings it slightly closer to home you know um yeah it's just now, to see. talking about preparedness um you know they're more used to the threat of avalanches than than mudslides especially in the middle of winter um 
it's a big surprise. They're talking about record-breaking rainfall. It was like, yeah, I don't know what they were talking. I can't remember now. It was like eight hundred or nine hundred millimeters of rain in five days. Yeah, a, a national record, not just a local record. And yeah. what can you do to prepare prepare for that, especially when you live next to a mountain? Yeah, I mean, uh, again, I was kind of um, surprised. I actually, to begin with, I was telling everybody it was an avalanche. Mm. Um, you just sense. expect that's what it's going to be, and then you like you look at the pictures and well, that's not snow; it's mud or, or whatever it was. Like Iskrida, and um, I suppose it came to shock as a shock to people there as well. You know, um, as this so this this doesn't happen that very that regularly in um, at this time of year, I suppose um, mudslides or whatever it was. Well, no, I mean it's it's. The temperature's been very high, well above freezing. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I do feel like maybe we in the West haven't noticed it as much because the weather's been nice here, but it's been unusually nice for an unusually long amount of time. And I feel it might be the other side of the same system that's kind of got stuck over Iceland. Because, yeah. I mean, think about it. We've had temperatures of 5, 10 degrees with sunshine for two mm -hmm. weeks now. That's unheard of too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, very lucky in our case. It's pretty scary, but it's a good thing that the um, the idiot in the White House has, has, has been displaced, I think. <laughs> good news for the rest of the world. Well, um, as climate change scientists always say, you can't pin any one event on Trump. <laughs> no, 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 no. But, you know, because we're talking about a, a kind of a trend of change. Um, yeah. We can pin that on... on uh, well, not on Trump, of course, but we can, you know, it's it's good to get those people out of the way. The the only thing that's predictable and regular about the Icelandic winter is that it's going to be unpredictable and irregular. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but it does seem, yeah, it's unusual, certainly. I people remember a few going back ago, home. Go, oh, go, no, on. Carry on. go ahead. I was in, um, about 10 years ago, I was in Patrikshjörður around this time. Yeah, it was just, it was over Christmas. And... Um, Pretty much the entire upper part of the town was was uh, evacuated because of uh, avalanche threat. Um, and yeah, we we you know people came to the house that we were staying in. My my then parents-in-law, their, their house was right at the top of the town, um, and we were evacuated. Luckily, you know, a lot of uh, my ex's family lived there, so we could go to someone that lived in a lower part, a lower eleva elevation. But um, uh, yeah, that was. I think that was avalanche threat, you know, and um, just that in itself is an upheaval, um, you know, because you're told to kind of leave pretty much everything behind, um, take your pets and and go. Like, but you know, I mean, to see this feel, it's just such an extreme thing that's happened. Like, like you said, luckily nobody uh, nobody was killed, um, but for 10 people to lose their entire homes at least 10 people to uh, 10 houses to to uh to have been swept out to the end the evacuation of the entire town is um just it's such an operation you know and then you think about the people you know when they're when they're able to head back like how do they start to rebuild their lives these people that have lost their lost their devastating I mean, that is happening already. People have most of the, I think most people have been able to go back now. The emergency mm. level has been reduced to a danger level, which 
is going in the right direction at least and they're looking at getting the remainder of the residents back today um obviously not to the houses that have been destroyed um no. i mean obviously on the other side of that there's the response to it and that seems to have been fantastic there was yeah. obviously the search and rescue teams the police involved from the very first moment then the government were involved just hours later they sent ministers there in person promising support and and helping with the rebuilding effort i mean that's all that's all you know that's that's, that's what the people there need to hear isn't it yeah yeah of course and hopefully they follow through with it yeah which i'm sure they will yeah i mean say this for the for people that don't know is quite a culturally important town it's a small town but it's it's it kicks well above its weight for cultural and and historical reasons, doesn't it? Oh yeah, totally. Particularly in the last few years, it's been it's been kind of a a, a cultural hub in the east. You know, um, younger people have been moving there uh, from Reykjavik. People that have no ties to the place in terms of family, hmm. um, just the cultural, um, uh, yeah, the cultural aspect of, of Sailorsfield that people associate with Sailorsfield now is it's a, you know, I know artists that have moved there, um, and um, <clears throat> I think part of that draw is the way the place looks, as well. Yeah, um, it's known for its old, quaint old timber buildings and things, um, yeah. which are the ones that got pummeled. Um, I've read though that it's relatively compared to some other types of building, easy to rebuild them. And that yeah. some of the originals were built in one summer. So maybe that's a positive. And I wonder, were some of them listed? If they're, if they're the oldest houses in the town, um, if they're listed, then I suppose that maybe the government will be more um, keen or eager or willing to, to uh, rebuild. Yeah, exactly. And also there, the, the plans will be well, well recorded and yeah. all the dimensions and everything. Yeah. My neighbour, my neighbour Pali said that he knows someone that's that, that lived in one of those houses that um, was destroyed and, and uh, they spent the last six years basically spending every waking moment trying to rebuild, like to, to uh, uh, what do you call it? Not refurbish, but um, restore. Mm. Um the house, you know, that it ordered timber from from Norway and and just to have it exactly as it was, you know, mm. to retain the original look. Yeah, and and it's gone. Um, but hopefully, then, yeah, the the government and uh, the government will be able to provide the necessary means to to rebuild. Yeah, absolutely. Well, maybe move on to a different topic from there. Um, obviously, everyone's thoughts and prayers are with the people of Sealy's Um, But there's a lot else going on. Uh, maybe the COVID stuff. Yeah. Again. <laughs> um, so, so what's going on with COVID? Increasing well, cases, right? Yeah. It's. I think the, the the chief epidemiologist, or although he's in quarantine, he's been in the media anyway, obviously, thanks to Zoom and the likes, because he, he's not ill, um, has been saying that the numbers are not encouraging. It's not like they're going up, but they're not going down fast enough. And mm. the proportion of people being diagnosed who are not in quarantine already is mm. higher than it was. Because we had a few days of it being 100% of people in quarantine. Yeah. 
and now you're looking at, I think it was 13 yesterday and five knot or something yeah. like that. The last time I looked, it was something like 12 and four knot. Yeah. So it's, right. um, it's creeping up. Um, but I, I don't know. I think people, as, as soon as, and I may be guilty of this as well, as soon as there's good news on the COVID front, you kind of think, okay, it's maybe all right to let yourself go a little bit. I don't mean like, you know, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't mean like turn up to a Royal Rumble or, yeah. or but um, it, it's easy to, because I think because people are so fed up with it, so fed up with um, not being able to uh, hug people or to, to have a drink with, with friends and, and they just, so eager to do it you know so as soon as as soon as they there's less threat of of uh, transmission then people maybe particularly i think if you have a drink as well you know um a couple of times i've met a friend of mine at her place and and um we've had a drink and then this the suggestion comes up should we invite this person should we invite this person you're like oh maybe not uh but it, it's easier to kind of not be as afraid when you're a little bit tipsy and then of course i mean i also know people that don't really care people are saying i couldn't get i couldn't care less about the the uh about this virus but uh, you know i think they forget that it's not just about them it's also uh if they get it and they don't know about it and they transmit it to somebody else they could transmit it to older people and, and the vulnerable so mm. as we know people have been saying for a year now well the the authorities around the world were saying at the very beginning like almost a year ago um you know if we do our jobs right people will be blaming us for having overreacted mm -hmm. and that yeah. is kind of the case isn't it the more you yeah, do the opposite, the opposite is happening in the uk at the moment um <laughs> boris johnson's pretty much being blamed for under having underreacted um, well interesting you mentioned the uk because both Thorolf Grudnason and Kauri Stefansson, the head of Deco Genetics, have said this weekend that they're not convinced by this British strain um, argument. They, they, it exists. It's been diagnosed here in Iceland in one person. Okay. Um, but they're, they're not convinced it is 70% more contagious, as is being claimed. Kauri mm. says, if it's more contagious at all, it's only by a tiny bit. Now, I don't know why this is their reaction and this is in the news here whereas you look at the bbc for example and they're just putting this out it is 70 percent more contagious mm. so i really don't know where that well i i think if it's only been diagnosed in one person here then then the icelanders won't have direct access to oh they do they all of the new what do they call them mutations or variants yeah. of put into databases for study strains um, yeah. precisely by companies like decode that's what they're doing that's what literally what they're doing but if, i i think if you've not seen if you've not seen a local um spread of this particular strain then it's slightly less it's slightly more difficult to say just how contagious it is um than in the uk where it's you know this particular strain has spread um significantly so the the information on our contagious is is, is more available or, or kind of direct access to the um to the the, the people on the ground you know which I seems know. i mean yeah 
but why he... come out in the media then and say anything if that is true? Which it should be then yeah. obvious to everyone that that is true. So I know I know Cowdery is always ready with they the not... Are we going to talk over each other the entire time? If Cowdery says he's not convinced, he's not necessarily refuting the the uh, the data on it, but. Um... I don't know. I, I think that the, the particularly the Tories in the UK they weren't they weren't particularly um, keen to to put London into any kind of lockdown. So they wouldn't have done it for no reason, unless we believe the nut job conspiracy theories that some right wing people in the UK that I know are uh, expounding. You know, um, well, I think the outbreak is very real. The spread yeah. is very real, but it's a question of if it's because this strain is that much more contagious or just because, just because, you know, people are out yeah. and spreading it. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm a linguist. <clears throat> You're not an epidemiologist. No, no, no. Despite being as attractive as I am, I am just a, a mere linguist. All right, then. So you you concentrate more on the social side rather than the scientific side. Therefore, what about the impact of having thought of it in quarantine? That's a bit of a wake-up call for the for the nation, especially because Vidic is still off work. Yeah. Three acres in... Uh, mm. Is Alma... Is she still loose? <laughs> she, is, she's free. Yeah, yeah. yeah she's free on uh yeah it's a bit of a wake up call yeah it's a wake up call um but you know i i've also i remember there was a news story a few months ago about a, a family that had been isolating and they they caught the they caught the virus and they had no idea how they how they got it um and it's managed to sneak into care homes and it's managed to sneak into places that should be completely protected so you know i mean for all and and vivir they've not been like um, they've not done all of their interaction with people through zoom so mm. it's not necessarily that surprising it doesn't necessarily either mean that they've completely broken the um the any kind of regulations to do with restrictions or, or social restrictions but um you know these are just a, these are kind of guidelines aren't they like you know wash your hands and keep a two meter distance and stuff but it doesn't necessarily mean that these things can't travel uh, two meters i don't know and also it doesn't mean that the capabilities of their agencies are, are compromised either because um, yeah. there's teams of people behind them. There's this thing about nearly 200 kids and loads of teachers and parents forced into quarantine in Reykjanesbæir because of this this weekend. So that means they miss Christmas, which is yeah. pretty sad. I think it was... They could Zoom Christmas, do a Zoom Christmas though, couldn't they? Well, yeah. It's not the same though. As no, we, it's not... Um, you know imagine this 20 years ago like um imagine i mean when i'm a, when i first moved to iceland in 2003 i probably spoke to my mum or my family uh once a month when i went to a phone box and and or they phoned me on my mobile you know you couldn't see them um i think if well not that we're lucky that this happened at all but we're lucky to to be in a time now where we can see each other um you know my my grandmother is 81 years old and very ill she's got late stage copd 
Um, I don't know what the next time I'll be able to see her. Well, I mean, she'll probably, she, she's very vulnerable, so she'll probably be given the vaccine, but it's wonderful to be able to, to, to Zoom call her and actually see her, see her face, you know. Um, I, mean, I remember a time when video chat was sci-fi, basically, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, then again, we could always say this, couldn't we? I suppose if this had happened in 1970, we'd be saying, oh, I'm so glad we've got telephones and television. We yeah, might be doing this with letter writing. Yeah, yeah, or, or uh, what do you call it? Telegrams. <laughs> pigeon. <laughs> yeah, pigeon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But no, yeah, yeah. it's definitely good to put a positive spin on it. And uh, yeah. And people have been, uh, people have been uh, kind of having Zoom dinner dates uh, with, with friends. A couple, an Icelandic couple I know have done it once a month regularly with uh, with friends that live in America. Um, it works, you know. Whole workplaces have been doing Christmas parties on Zoom. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. With, I, I was talking to a friend of mine this weekend, and they'd had, I forget who it was, some quite well-known singer on Zoom for them. Yeah. And then they did a quiz and they all ate food because they've been given food parcels to take home yeah. to eat. And it all sounded quite good. She had a good time. I mean, it's, it's very 2020. <laughs> yeah. Uh, COVID and Zoom, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, time is rocketing on. I think talking about celebrating on Zoom, we should maybe just talk about celebrating full stop. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a very different Christmas this year. It's happening. We're there. Yeah. Got Thorlock's mess the day after tomorrow, and then it all really kicks off. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to have a bit of skate. Yeah, honestly. Yeah, I, I, I love it. I love yeah, it. Yeah, me too. I was just checking. Yeah, once, once a year is, is it, you know, it's fine once a year, but I do love it. I do look forward to it. You going to any skate parties? No, I haven't got anything planned for that, no. no. I'm not sure if what the deal is this year. Well, I could do with a bit. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm not. I'm not cooking it. Cooking it at home. No, no. no. <laughs> I remember once I, um, I uh, on the twenty third. Yeah, thought I lost my side. I went um, to flew to London, and um, in the morning, I, I was in Hapnafield, and we had uh, skate, skata, and uh, flew to London. And on the on the plane, all you could smell was ammonia because people were farting. Um, <laughs> on skate, oh. but I, no, I do like it. Um, but I suppose even like Skutu Veslus will be kind of a bit of a no no. Um, well, Kaori the fishmonger in Isabelish, who is for some reason the national face of skate, for some reason, I believe, he says it's not going to stop us. Um, obviously, the big the big banquet or big parties are cancelled, but we're just going to have lots of small ones. Yeah. Socially so, distanced. Socially okay. distanced. Ten or fewer. Uh, and obviously, it's a tradition that came from the Westfields. I suppose that's why he takes this very seriously. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, yeah. And then the Christmas itself. I mean, people have been flooding into the country. Yeah. People that live, well, people are from here mostly. Um, yeah back for Christmas. That seems to have gone relatively smoothly. We haven't heard any horror stories from the airport. Nope. Um, and no. they were advised to turn up no later than I think yeah, the 18th or 19th because of the quarantine. Mm -hmm. uh, I noticed yeah. though, 
there's quite a lot of flights scheduled for today still on the airport website. So I don't so know if that... Well, maybe some people will just be returning home to family as well, like going straight back to, to family so they can quarantine with family. Um, yeah, that is... Yeah. That is a thing. Yeah, definitely. Um, but it's, yeah, it's going to be a weird... Um, Christmas for a lot of people, I think, you know, for people that are used to these big family gatherings, it's going to be. Uh... And we should mention, since this is Ruv English, the international community and how many people, how many foreigners that would normally go away for Christmas are here this year, uh, myself included. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Me too. Yeah. My, um, uh, so I teach Icelandic as a second language at the university and uh, a lot of my students, well, all of my students are non native speakers of Icelandic. Uh, some of them are Icelandic, uh, but have been brought up in, you know, uh, brought up abroad. But most of them don't have any Icelandic heritage at all. And um, there are quite a, there's quite a large number of students this year that are not going back to their families for Christmas. Um, and I've, I've kind of been checking up with them. I remember in the last, the last class that I gave um, for the, of this semester, checking with the students like you know what are you doing for Christmas you're going to be in the country and and who are you meeting up with and you know there are a couple of them that are not necessarily that gregarious they're a little bit worried about mixing with people um so there are going to be some people in the country that possibly spending Christmas on their own um that's going to be maybe they don't they don't care but it's um you kind of think of the people that are going to be on their own because of the situation. Mm. Yeah. I think it might be particularly, um, this, I think this year has been a very, a particularly difficult one for, for foreign students and maybe for foreigners generally living in Iceland, but, um, you know, a lot like my first year students, for example, they came to Iceland, um, uh, in, when would it have been August, September, and there's been no teaching on site. It's all been distance learning, um, which means that they've not been in a classroom situation. They've not necessarily had the opportunity to meet other people that are in similar situation, you know, just moved to the country and, and uh, trying to learn the language. Uh, and now a lot of them are stuck possibly on their own as well in, in, in Iceland over Christmas. It's a, it's a very, uh, yeah, I don't envy them at all. No, it's kind of... Checking, checking in with them, checking in with them. Yeah. It's kind of ruining the whole point of study abroad, really. Gathering mm. new experiences, meeting new people, seeing the country, and then yeah. just not able to do that. And then you're just left sort of lonely, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Not one, everyone. One of my students said that one of my students said that um, he had kind of uh, looked forward to coming to Iceland for a very long time, and now that he's here, it's just been a, a miserable year. Um, and he's thinking of giving up on the course. I'm trying to encourage him not to, um, because it has so much. You know, when when things get kind of in inverted commas back to normal, mm. uh, Iceland has got so much to to give. And uh, the th and the things that you know, he was describing to me the reasons that he or he deline delineated for me the reasons that he uh, had chosen Iceland and, and looked forward to moving to Iceland. And it reminded me of the reasons that I want to move here. Back then, I was like, if you just wait a little bit, 
um, a little while, you know, then it does offer all those things. It does have all, all of those things. You would experience these things. Just try and get through this this um, strange time. Yeah. I'll be checking up on him on, on Christmas Day, though. Definitely. And, and some others as well. Good. Yeah, everyone that can uh, or anyone that knows people that are vulnerable should be doing exactly that. We've yeah. got to stand together. And on that note, um, the week in Iceland will be back after a short break on Monday, the 4th of January on roof.as forward slash English, Roof English on Facebook, through the Roof app and on your favourite podcast platform. Huge thanks to my guest today, Jon Simon Markusson, and also to Lydia Gretasdottir for running the technical side of things. We finish today with a Christmas song that is dramatic and undeniably Icelandic. It's about the dreaded Christmas cat, and it's sung by Björk herself, using words by Johannes Fraukertlum and music by Ingebjörg Thorbergs. Thank you for listening to The Week in Iceland in 2020. A very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year from all at Rove. This is Jólakötturinn. For now. Yeah.
Hún fæsti þá heldur ljóð og hljóp á braut Hvort eldur hún til veit ég ekki en nöfnuði hennar för Ef allir eignuðu snæst einhverja spjöldi Það er nú kannski í huga að hjálpa